Galatians chapter 5, my subject this morning is connecting the dots. In this letter, Paul has made it clear, and we've been studying for weeks now, he's been making a clear case for the freedom that we receive when we come to Jesus. And how, from Paul's perspective, how insane it is to him that once we've come to the freedom that he gives to embrace any other system of bondage, especially when the reason you're embracing that system is a human effort to gain God's favor or you're trying to justify yourself before the Lord. Or even more dangerously, you believe that although you accept Jesus' sacrifice in your life, You've been convinced that somehow something needs to be added. Something more is needed. He's made it crystal clear that he simply cannot fathom the reasoning. Why would someone live, uh, leave the liberty we have in Jesus for the bondage of one, what the Judaizers had been offering, and two, even returning to a system that was very similar to their own pagan religions and pagan rituals? Bottom line, and we've been saying this for weeks now, when it comes to the sacrifice for our sins and the life that Jesus gives, Jesus doesn't need any help. Jesus was able to die for you all by himself. He was able to cover your sin all by, your, all by himself. And he was able to present you blameless and remains able to present you blameless before his his father, all by himself. So in the face of all that he has told them to this point, it's really time to connect some dots. How do we truly walk in this freedom that Jesus came to give us? Galatians chapter 5, I'll begin reading in verse number 1. Stand, therefore, f- stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. So in connecting these dots, the first thing we need to do is just simply stand. Now, I honor all of us, and so many of you, all of you, have an amazing and tremendous work ethic. You like to keep busy. You like to be responsible and honorable in your places of work. So when someone says something needs to get done, you do things. And oftentimes in those situations, we can extend that mindset and believe that in order to accomplish something great, something has to be done. But here Paul is saying, in order to walk in this righteousness, just stand. Stand still. 
Don't attack anyone. Don't cave in to anyone. Don't start a we hate legalism Facebook group. And don't think yourselves better than those who are embracing a legalistic system. Just stand. Paul repeats this comment about trying to obey any part of the law makes you a debtor of all of it. To move in this direction is a path toward, he uses very strong language, falling from grace. Basically saying if the reason you're being circumcised or the reason you're following ritual or the reason you're embracing a system of rituals that adds to the sacrifice that Jesus made, you're essentially saying Jesus' sacrifice was not enough, then his sacrifice becomes of no effect for you. Those are strong words. I am not made righteous by doing right things. I am not made righteous by practicing biblical morality. But please, do that. (laughs) Do right things and practice biblical morality. But don't think for a moment that, and I've said this so many times over the last few weeks, that because you do the right things and you treat people well and you practice biblical morality, that you're going to be able to stand before God one day or even in prayer stand before God today and say, God, you owe me. I am not made righteous by anything I do. My hope for righteousness in my life is simply by faith in Jesus Christ. And when I receive it, we need to understand it is by his grace. Not because you're awesome. Now, admittedly, you're awesome. Every single one of you is at the awesome scale. We're talking up here. But before God, being awesome won't get you anywhere. And in verse 6, he tells them something that really should stand out to us. He tells them that neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is good for anything. He's just spent the bulk of this letter devaluing them embracing the law and the specific principle that was being pushed on them was circumcision. He has linked it to following the law which does not bring the favor of God. And he has linked it to following the law, which does not bring Christ freedom. So basically he is saying, as far as getting circumcised, don't do it. But he is clear why. Don't do it thinking it's needed. Don't do it thinking God in any way is looking for it. Don't do it as some trophy that you can wave before God and wave before others. See, look how right with God I am. And don't do it thinking not doing it makes you better than somebody else. See, he's saying not only circumcision, uncircumcision avails nothing. It's not about what you do or what you don't do. It's about who your faith is in. So often we can get to this place where we have been 
brought into this system of rules and rights and, and wrongs and, and do's and don'ts. And then we come to a knowledge and God meet, um, meets us in that place of prayer and we are set free from that thinking. And when we're set free from that thinking, we can get this haughty attitude, well, I'm kind of better or something or in some part above those who are still bound by that. No, circumcision nor uncircumcision avails nothing. What are you trusting him for is all that matters. How dependent are you on Jesus? Do we really realize that we need him for everything? Everything. Even the praise we give him is only possible because of the breath he puts in our lungs. We need him for everything. Galatians chapter 5, go to verse number 7. You ran well. Who hindered you by obeying the truth? Uh, from, from obeying the truth. This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you in the Lord that you will have... No other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. This group that came in to the churches in Galatia, trying to get them to obey many of the old traditions was causing trouble among the Galatians. And they caused more than trouble, they caused division. Paul wants them to walk in liberty, but one's liberty is not to be thrown in a brother or sister's face and not caring about them. Yes, other believers may not understand the liberty that you and I walk in, the liberty we have in Christ. They may not have reached that place in their walk at the moment that even after decades of following him, they may still be bound to certain things that look and feel like church or being a Christian to them. There are still many, many people who would walk into this church and be horrified that the preacher is behind the pulpit so improperly dressed there's no tie on his neck. There's no jacket on his shoulders. That's okay for those of you who are horribly impacted by this. I have a tie and jacket today. They're back in my office. We are to serve one another. We are to love one another and not to criticize and devour one another. I may have told this story when 
back in the early days when I first became a minister and started preaching, I was looking for places to preach because I wanted to develop the skill. And oddly enough, a friend of ours had said they didn't have a pastor at their church, so she was in charge of providing and finding pulpit supply. So I said, sure. So she signed me up to preach for three weeks at her church, at the Sag Harbor United Methodist Church. So I prepared a message, I prayed, I worked at it, made sure everything was good, and I went to the church and I preached. Thought I did an amazing job, if I do say so myself. <laughs> at the end of the service, I couldn't have imagined a more cold response. They were like, thank you for being here. We'll see you next week. Really? That's it? <laughs> Nothing more? So I took that and I figured, let me work on stuff. Let me see if I can make a connection here. Let, let me try and do something that, or maybe phrase things in a different way. And went back the next Sunday, same thing. Thank you. That was interesting. Interesting. I wasn't going for interesting. And I'm in a real dilemma here. I'm not sure what is happening that I'm not making a connection. So I spoke to a friend who had experience in ministry, and I explained the whole situation, and he asked me questions about the congregation and who they were and kind of some demographic information and what they were used to. And he made a suggestion that this is what is an older congregation basically had been United Methodists all of their lives. He suggested when I go to preach that third Sunday, I wear a clerical collar. You know those collars with the tongue depressor that's right here? <laughs> I went, really? He goes, sure. Pick it up, wear it, and let's see what happens. I bought one. I wore it. I went there. You'd have thought I was Billy Graham. They were like, what an amazing message. Oh, that was, all I did was change my shirt. And you know, if I wasn't willing to do that to get the gospel communicated to God's people, shame on me. It, now, I, I used to say, I'll wear anything. Now, I need to qualify. I'll wear almost anything in order to get the gospel communicated. And if I can create a bridge then it's no impact on my liberty to do that. Paul is letting them walk and telling them to walk in freedom, but don't let your freedom be something that puts chains on somebody else. And while you're walking free of your chains, don't be arrogant and create stumbling blocks for someone else. Because, he says in verse 9, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And if there is any leaven more impacting in our walk with the Lord, it's attitude. Attitudes. Our walking in freedom with Christ gives me the ability to reach out to the needs of others, whatever they need. This is a way in this letter that we can achieve liberty. 
Galatians 5, verse 16. I say then, walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Key verse in that portion there, if we're walking in the spirit, we're not walking in the flesh because they're contrary to one another. If you've just hurt a brother or sister in the Lord and damaged their walk in some way, don't tell me you were walking in the spirit. Because you can't do both. If you just told a brother or sister off, not that anyone here has ever done that, but if you just told them off and you walked away from that telling the truth in love session, feeling really good, but you put them in their place and told them off. Don't tell me you were walking in the spirit because that's in the flesh. Are all situations resolvable in the short term? The reality is no. And pro or probably not. And at times, even within the body of Christ, is distance sometimes something that can create at least a time to breathe and reflect? And can it be helpful? Yes. But these situations should be handled in Christian love and with an attitude, not that I'm making things better for myself, but I am serving the person who is on the other end. That church is freedom. The freedom to be able to look at someone else and the freedom to be able to be a servant, a willing servant in their life, even when they're a royal pain in the neck. I am not bound by the crazy emotions and feelings of other people. Aren't you glad God set you free from that? I'm also not bound by my crazy reactions to the crazy emotions and feelings of other people. I believe it with all my heart, and it saddens me that the biggest obstacle to the church being a witness to the world today is the church. We are so skilled at biting one another and devouring one another over silly stuff. When Paul is saying, yes, you are free. You've been set free from attitudes and structures. You've been set free from all these rules and regulations. But don't let your freedom be something that causes a brother or sister. Again, this letter is not to the people of Galatia. It's to the church of Galatia. Don't let the freedom that you can in reality use and walk in and live in and breathe in and love others in be a stumbling block. To someone else. Because then. That's arrogance. Well I don't care what you think. No I do care what you think. And more than I care what you think. I care about you. Because we're family. We're going to. Walk the streets of glory together one day. We're going to. 
be there with the angels as they give praise to the Holy One. And if we're standing before the Lord one day and you have a suit and tie on and I'm in jeans and a T-shirt, I think God's okay with that. And if he's okay with that then, he'll be okay with that now. And that's where we as Christians need to understand that what I want to do first and foremost is be a blessing in the life of my brother and sister. Now, are some situations difficult to deal with? They are. This is a basic guideline. So Paul has taken this church through this kind of puzzle that is them trying to obey a law to gain favor with God and him trying to convince them that they are free in Jesus and it's not needed. But Paul understood, uh, understood human nature and he's inspired by the Holy Spirit who definitely understands human nature. That when they got set free and were convinced, I don't have to follow these law, we can get arrogant. We can begin to look down on people. And he's saying, okay, you're free. Doesn't make you better than anybody else. Doesn't make you a better Christian than anybody else. Don't let your freedom be a stumbling block. Now, next week, we're going to get to the portions of Galatians that most people know by heart, where you talk about the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is something that can rise up within any believer's life that's walking in liberty and a liberty that is not arrogant. A liberty that understands I am free, which means if I have to put on a clerical collar to communicate the gospel, that's okay. Because them hearing the gospel is more important than my wearing a funny looking shirt. It's much more important than that. As it turns out, I was invited back for many, many weeks to that church. And every single time I went back after that, I wore that shirt. And, and after a while, I began to think, hmm, I look pretty good in this shirt. <laughs> it's not about walking under other people's rules. You are free in Jesus. You are free in what he did for you. But so often, especially in the American context, we look at freedom as something that means I can do whatever I want and I don't have to listen or care about anyone. That is not Christian liberty. I am free from being bound by the concerns of these rules, but I am free to serve you in whatever you need and whatever's going that way. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for the time we've had today. Lord, I ask your blessing upon this word that it would go deep within us. Lord, that you would move powerfully in the lives of your people. Help us to live free. And since we are living free, walk in love. Especially with brothers and sisters in the Lord. Lord, I ask your blessing upon all that we do. I ask your blessing upon our time at the St. James Memorial today. Lord, who knows what lives we may touch 
It might be a quick service and over in a moment. But Lord, we want to serve you. We want to be an example for you and a witness for you. Lord, have your way in our lives. Have your way in all that we do. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, God bless.